This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. It's so good to hear all the chattering. If you're new to our church, we just want you to uh, know that we appreciate you being here and you're welcome. We have an awesome church. Uh, 95% of them are awesome people. (laughs) And uh, if you're new to our church, I'm very funny. Hey, so we're going to dive in really quick. um, And we're going to just do a quick overview of last week. If you weren't here, you're going to want to take notes. I believe God is uh, using this message... Not the messenger. Well, he'll use the messenger, but it's about the message. And I'm glad, I love this, I love our church in a sense like, uh, you guys don't put all sorts of, um, uh, all sorts of pressure on me to be the, you know, the the star of the show. I'm just having for the first time ever glare on my, is this anything new up there or just me? Just me, huh? Yeah. Um. Hey, so for years and years and years, um, millennia, that's a lot of years, the church taught that there was the three enemies of the soul. Last week I asked everybody, um, and we're not going to do it again, but I asked you, uh, what wars are we fighting as believers? And somebody yelled out Satan, which is true, and somebody yelled out ourselves, which is true, and then of course the third one is the world or the culture. And so for uh, thousands of years, the church would teach this, and somehow throughout uh, a few centuries, it seems to have waned. Uh, then we read out of Galatians chapter 5, which you do want to get your Bibles, 513, for you have been called to live in freedom. Amen? Woo-hoo. Who wants to live in prison? I just shared a story the other day that uh, I spent about six hours in jail one time, and no fun, all right? Uh, it was... Um, they, they thought I was somebody else. No, I'm just kidding. I was speeding out of town, and I couldn't pay the bill, so they put me in jail until I could, until a bail bondsman showed up. So, um, so <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm like, should I have said that on YouTube? Uh, got a little nervous. So you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom to satisfy the sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. That is incredible. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. It is interesting as you read this. Who's the enemy? Is it, uh, is it the devil? Is it myself? Or is it the culture that's influencing here? Okay, let's look at 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide or, all right, lead you. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of our sinful nature or carnal nature. These two forces are constantly fighting one another. So you're not free 
to carry out your good intention. In other words, you're occupied fighting, so you're not free to carry out your good deeds. But when you are directed or led by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. There is so much in those verses. There is no way we can unpack it all. And so you might have questions like, well, what does that all mean? And we're not going to be able to answer all this in um, the next uh, hour and 30 minutes. I got a little nervous. Uh, It says here, again, 13, for you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom to satisfy the sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And in verse 13 of chapter 5 Galatians, love is not optional. It's not like if you want to. It's not like a, an elective that you take a class maybe if you want to. You know, I know some people that took uh, electives uh, all through school. Like they took like four classes of gym every year, all right? That's an elective. That's not what this is talking about. This is mandatory. As if you're a believer in Jesus, you are to... Serve one another in love, to love your neighbor as yourself. So in other words, we are called in our freedom to desire and seek the happiness of our neighbors. That's tough, isn't it? Who here does not have a good neighbor? Don't don't raise your hand. We are called in our freedom to seek the happiness of others with the same zeal that we seek our own. If we are to take this commandment seriously, this is hard. Listen, this is not easy. Can you imagine? Lord, thank you for this day. I just woke up. Thank you for your word, your prayer time. Lord, what can I do to love my boss this morning? That would be like the first thing that should uh, enter our minds. That's not easy, is it? It's like, Lord, help me not to lose patience this morning. But that's how we usually pray. Uh, But let's pray to love your neighbor as yourself. So the same zeal that we're looking for our own happiness, we need to uh, seek uh, and and take it seriously, the happiness of our neighbor. So in other words, every morning I need to concern myself with the needs of my neighbor. And this is the Christian life. Caring for others, I say care for myself. It's hard. It's not easy. But it's difficult and especially if we're trying to do it on our own, and it would seem impossible. If this is the Christian life, then, Lord, help me to follow through. Amen? Do you know that sometimes out of love, and I shared this last week, I come to church. There are times, I'm gonna confess, that on Sunday mornings, I would just rather just sleep in. Anybody else, don't raise your hand, because then I'll judge you. You know, uh, you just want to sleep in. It's like, you know, uh, I have uh, thought this to myself, that I'm tired. And somehow I think that if I get two, three extra hours of sleep, I will find rest and peace. Which you can, I think, minimally. But I'm telling you what, you cannot find the rest and peace in your bed, being selfish, like what we sensed this morning during worship, amen? I mean, you cannot replicate that. It was something neat and special, and I thank the Lord for it. So church is not about me. It's not about my comfort. It's not about my sensory needs. It's not about my intellectual needs. It's not about my spiritual needs. It's not about my entertainment needs. Thank you, Jesus, that we're not a church that 
uh, somehow you just sit back and watch me entertain you. Because that's not who we are. Someone who operates in the love of Christ says, how can I be used in this arena of loving my neighbor when I come to church? That's why I asked you guys to come early to greet people. But I wrote here and I said here last week, the Christian life is sometimes feels too hard, but we gotta remember that we're not alone. It's not something he's asking us to do on our own. God's love is not some new 100-pound weight that he's put on us, adding to life, and we can't hold it. It's too much of a burden. I wrote this, and I, and I want to repeat it. You may want to write it down. People who try to love without relying on God's spirit always wind up trying to fill their own emptiness rather than sharing in their fullness. That quote kind of haunted me this week because everything, uh, like every time I had a conversation with my wife, I literally asked myself, Lord, am I doing this in relying on your Holy Spirit or am I doing this out of my emptiness, my own emptiness, and uh, trying to do this in my own desire for my needs to be filled? Does that make sense? So uh, I, I noticed and I took inventory, and this has been a fantastic week with communication with my wife, and every week is mostly good. There are times that it's, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys ever have this, this um, agreement that never to go to bed uh, angry. Uh, a couple months ago, Robin and I spent three full days without going to sleep. And so uh, sometimes it's tough. But I asked the Lord to help me. Lord, I want to communicate based on your love, not my empty needs. So this, last week we talked about what is it, what do we mean by walking in the Spirit? And today we're going to talk about why is it crucial that we walk in the Spirit. Now, if you look in verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. I love that. A lot of times we read that, and I think we have a picture of the, the NASCAR. We think that the Holy Spirit is like a pace car at a NASCAR race, and we are just trying to follow him. But the scripture doesn't say that, although it wouldn't be wrong if, if it did say that. But the Bible says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And being led by the Spirit, we used the analogy last week, is like a, a train, a locomotive. That's our next picture. If, think of that, and, and no example is perfect, but the Holy Spirit is the locomotive. And I hate to place the Holy Spirit into those kind of terms, but it's trying to help us. So we're not following a pace car. We are being led by the locomotive, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the leader of our lives. And so just like a train, and again, all train, this is not a perfect example. Our next picture, if you are a car on a train track, you have no real power on your own unless you are connected to the locomotive. And so sometimes when you find that it's difficult to live, to love your neighbor in love, to walk in the spirit, it's because we're not connected. And I, can, and I just was taking more inventory 
this week more than other, any other. And I'm like, Lord, help me. Am I reacting because out of my connection with God, the Holy Spirit, or am I acting in my own abilities? So just like a, a train car has no power on its own. So that's the wonder and beauty of this scripture. It's not like the Holy Spirit, you know, God's putting this command on us and he's saying, go for it. He's like telling a train car, all right, I want you to go from here to, to Sacramento on your own. Can't be done. It, it could try. And so, so we are to be led by the Holy Spirit. If Christian life is too hard, it's a sign that maybe we're not connected to the Holy Spirit. We're going to pause just for a moment. I feel like I'm yelling over these fans. Did that make a difference? Whew, yes. Praise the Lord. I felt like I was at a train station. We're probably unhooked when we're walking and it's tough. And, and again, if you've been here long enough, you know uh, none of my stories would, uh, hopefully it won't surprise you. Uh, especially the early years of my marriage, it was rough. It was tough. It is a miracle that Mason and Micah are here. <laughs> Seriously, there were times where we just thought, we're done. This is too hard. You know, I'm sure Robin, if she was here, she would say amen. She would probably say, loving my husband is too tough. That's what she would probably say. And I was thinking, loving my wife is too hard. And so what really happened, what changed, wasn't that we tightened our fists, tightened our belt, grit our teeth, is that we, we continue to allow ourselves to abide in the vine and ask the Lord to help me to connect my life to his and we found that the more we're connected to God and embedded in his spirit, we found it that it was easier to love one another. It wasn't so much that Robin, and again, I'm just using her as an example because she could give you lots of examples. It wasn't that Robin changed it made it easier for me to love her. It was I changed in the sense that I began to rely on the Holy Spirit more in the ability to love my wife the way he sees her. So there was a lot of idolatry going on earlier on. I was trying to mold my wife into uh, an image that I can love. And she was doing the same thing. And when you do that, man, there's all sorts of tension. But if we connect to the Holy Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit, connect and led like a train, uh, before you know it, you can love your neighbor, you can love your wife, and, and you can love your children, and you can love, uh, and think of the person that you don't like the most. You, you can love that person. Now, we, we haven't broken down what love means, but it's, it's what God defines it to be in your situation. But if you find someone hard to love, 
it's because we're, we're not really connected. And when we're connected, we get to see people as imagers made in the image of God, not as the enemy. I'm going to move on. As you know, in, in 1 John, uh, Jesus says, Abide in me and I am you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You, you, you can't take a train car that's not connected to a, a, a locomotive and get to, it's not going to happen. Same thing. Unless you abide in me, and uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit. Because God's called us, Christ has called us to bear much fruit. Not just fruit, much fruit. And just like your fruit tree in your house or you know someone, that branch cannot bear fruit unless it's connected to the vine. So we've been talking, what does it mean by walking in the Spirit? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. The key is staying connected. Lord, help us to stay connected. Help me to stay connected. So why is it crucial to walk in the Spirit? Why is this important? The Bible gives us the answer. If you look right there, why is it crucial to why? We answered the what. Today we'll try to answer the why, and next week we'll try to do the how. Why is it crucial to walk by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit? And verse 16 and 18 gives us the answer. It says here in verse 16, what does it say? It says that walking in the Spirit, when you do this, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So this first reason we should walk by the Spirit is that when we do the desires of the flesh are overcome, amen? So if you're struggling in an area, whatever that area might be, walking in the flesh, carnal nature, trying to, you know, I just mentioned what, and I'll mention here the, what is the flesh here in a second, but it's that, that I. And a lot of times we are walking in emptiness and we're trying to fill that with things that are not of God. It's not God. The flesh is the ego which feels an emptiness and uses the resources in its own power to try to fill it. So again, the marriage example, I think, as I look back, and I didn't think about it when I was writing this, but I'm thinking about it now, is that I, um, and we're talking about Christians here, okay? We're not talking about non-Christians. And I can't explain it all, um, and I'll explain a little bit. In a second, but we're talking about believers. And I remember when I was married to my wife earlier on, there was a lot of areas in my life that I was trying to fill this emptiness, not with Christ. He wasn't my all in all. So I was trying to maybe fill this emptiness with my projected view of my, what my wife should be. The flesh is the ego which feels an emptiness and uses the resources in its own power to try to fill it. Flesh is the I who tries to satisfy me with anything but God's mercy. So walking in the Spirit is battling and putting the carnal nature at bay. 
I have literally pages and pages trying to explain that, but I can't today. The God's spirit conquers our flesh. So verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you would. If you said when if you said to yourself when I was describing when I was describing the flesh, well I have a lot of that still left in me, does that mean I'm not a Christian? That does not mean you're not a Christian. A Christian is not a person who does not experience carnal desires. A Christian is a person who is at war with those carnal desires and at war by the power of the spirit. Does that make sense? So maybe I and I thought too, like, Lord, how come I have these thoughts? How come I have these feelings? How come I have, uh, am I not a believer? Have I not been bought? Have I, am I not redeemed? Again, so a Christian is not someone who does not experience those desires. A Christian is a person who is at war with those desires. A thought comes to mind, and all of a sudden the battle begins, Right? Am I going to submit myself to those thoughts and begin to act them out? Or am I going to allow the Holy Spirit to war against them and allow the Holy Spirit to rule and reign? That's basically the life of a Christian, right? I mean, we live in a world that we're constantly bombarded with images and thoughts and desires. And, and, and it could be as simple, you know, you know we're not talking like I was in youth group. You remember every uh, carnal desire in youth group had to do with uh, drugs, alcohol, and then, of course, sex. And, and as you grow up and you get older, you realize, man, the carnal attacks are much more than just that. But they make a really good drama scene when you do those things. So that's why we stick to those three. A Christian is a person who's at war with those bad desires by the power of the Spirit. Conflict in your soul is not bad. Conflict in your soul is not bad. Hey, Natalie, can you do me a tiny favor? I believe I left two sheets of paper on my desk. It's um, the hymn. You'll see it. Conflict in your soul is not all bad. Even though we long for the day when our flesh will be totally crushed, and only pure and loving desires will fill our hearts. But I'm going to tell you something that what's worse than having these internal battles between flesh and spirit. Take a wild guess. What's worse than that? You can answer it loud. What is worse than someone having these thoughts, these carnal thoughts, and all of a sudden there's these battles between them? You know what's worse than that? Someone who doesn't fight them. Someone who doesn't fight. They just give in. You know, when you're in the middle of a conversation and you just give in to your carnal nature of getting angry, that's worse. When you say things out of heated argument and you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, and you're not fighting against it. Thank you so much. Natalie does not want to be on camera. There she is.
No war within, when you're not fighting, you are being controlled by your carnal nature. So I'm gonna say if you're struggling, it's tough. That's good news. Because I believe that God is going to help you to overcome those carnal natures. He's, again, you remember we just read in the beginning, it's for freedom. He doesn't want you to be bound. He wants you to walk in freedom. One of the things, and I don't know if I'm going to get to it, but one of the things I love about the train analogy, because, uh, and that's the thing, we're not, I'm not unfolding the whole thing, but, you know, it's, uh, to love your neighbor to love your neighbor is not, a, it's a new commandment. It's not this 100-pound weight, if you will, and you can't do it. It's through the Holy Spirit that you can. It's just, and it's, you know, my analogies aren't perfect, so you could probably find holes in them. But I was thinking of the train and the tracks. The tracks, to me, are like the law. Without, the, without Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it's hard to follow those things. You try to do it on your own strength, and, and maybe worse yet, you get off the tracks, right? I mean, you're trying to live your own life. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, the law is there to guide us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So instead of the law being on, on you, it's there to serve you through the power of the Holy Spirit, to love your neighbor, to honor your mother and father, to, to love God, to, um, to, you know, Follow the Sabbath. I mean, we can go on and on and on. All of them are hard when you're trying to do it in your own flesh, your own abilities. All of them are easy, in quotation, when you're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you. All right. Anybody who knew John Newton is? Yes. He wrote the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. You guys know the song, Amazing Grace? And there's no doubt, I believe, and I'm, I'm reading here, there's no doubt Amazing Grace is famous for a good reason. You've likely heard the story of how Newton was the captain of a slave ship before his conversion. And so his song extolling God's amazing grace is incredible. If you know the story, it's fantastic. But John Newton wrote another hymn. It's uh, not as known as Amazing Grace. It's the hymn, I Ask the Lord That I Might Grow. Anybody know it? Perfect. That means I'll tell you about it and you're going to be awed by it. I'm just kidding. He wrote a second hymn, and I've heard it once before, and I, it's been years, and I want to tell you about it. So he was writing, he found a, a um, uh, he began to write a bunch of hymns, and he had a friend named William Cowper, who was co-writing with him. And he's the guy that wrote, There's a Fountain Filled with Blood. Do you guys know that one? You guys look it up. I think if you're young, uh, younger than me, and you, have, you don't know these old hymns, you're missing out. Just go on YouTube, you can find them. But they were writing these hymns together, and they collaborated to write a, a hymn book together. But uh, as Newton and Cowper began to work on their hymn book, Cowper suffered one of his many dark spells of depression. 
And that battle of depression became a hardship on Newton because they had, you know, things to finish. And Newton began to wonder if God was actively working against him. Like, God, I'm trying to do this good thing, and my partner now is sick. You know, are, are you in this? Out of that pain, yet a heart filled with faith was born what I consider the, one of the greatest hymns. And it's called, I Ask the Lord That I Might Grow. So I think it fits really well with what we're reading. If you're struggling right now, whatever it might be, relationships, um, boss, spouse, children, etc. The Lord wants you to walk in victory. Amen. Amen. How that victory comes may not be the way you and I want. So here's the hymn. I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace might more of his salvation know and seek him more earnestly, his face. So it was he who taught me to pray, and I trusted him to answer the prayer. But in such a way, it almost drove me to despair. I hoped that in some favorite hour, he'd answer my request and by his love and his power, subdue my sins and just give me rest. Instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart and let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. Yes, more with his own hand, he seemed to intent to aggravate my woes, crossed out all my plans and schemes, humbled my heart, and then laid me low. Lord, why is this? I trembly cried. Will thou pursue me to death in this way? The Lord replied, I answered your prayer for grace and faith. God answered, these inward trials I employed from self and pride to set you free and break the schemes of earthly joy that, they may, that thou may find thy all in all in me. So this morning, the challenges that you and I face may be orchestrated by God to reveal our hearts. So back to my marriage analogy, God gave me the perfect wife to reveal the dark crevices of my heart. Not to make her into the image I want her to be. To reveal where I am at. The situation you might find yourself could be, it's not 100%, could be God is using 
the circumstances that you find yourself in to reveal your heart. And that's how God will answer the prayer of growth. You know, that God, I just want to grow in your grace. Well, he might do it this way. And Newton struggled with that because Newton wanted just a quick zap, zoop, Sunday afternoon, you know, be done with it. But it wasn't like that. God had bigger, better plans. It reminds me of Jonah, remember? Who, who caused the storm in Jonah's life? God did. To reveal Jonah's heart. So if you're in a storm, and, and there's not a time when we're not in storms, right? I mean, we're always in storms. You need to ask yourself, Lord, speak to me. Reveal those dark crevices in my heart that I've yet to allow the Spirit to rule and reign so I may walk in freedom and in the Spirit. You know, when we became Christians, the Lord came and became ruler of our, our lives. Think of it as like, you know, remember the, uh, when you would study history, especially like Civil War history, they came and they would take over the capitals, right? So they would take over a capital, but it doesn't mean the whole state was under their authority. But the main part, and so that's where we are. We're, we are under the authority of, of the lordship and reignship of Christ. We've been bought. We're his. But there's these, these rebels, you know, in the deep crevices of our hearts that still need to come under the lordship of Christ. So this morning I'm going to ask you, say, Lord, use whatever means you see fit so he can reveal those dark crevices in our hearts so that we may learn to walk in the Spirit and bear much fruit as we're connected to the Holy Spirit. Amen? I'm going to ask Royce to come on up and uh, we're going to sing here in a second. But let's close our eyes while he does that. Lord Jesus, this morning, we want to walk in your freedom. We want to walk in your freedom as we saw in Galatians, Lord, that that is your desire for us. For you've been called to live in freedom. But do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. To let the Holy Spirit lead your lives. Then you will not be doing what your sinful nature craves. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Verse 18, but when you are directed and led by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law. Lord, so we just ask that we would learn to abide in you. Lord, we just pray right now that your command, it wasn't a suggestion, your command is to love our neighbor. Lord, I pray, God, that we would do that by abiding in you. We cannot do it alone on our own. So, Lord, we just pray right now for those in our lives that you're calling us to love. 
so that we can bring you greater glory, expand your kingdom, and to walk in freedom in the fullness and purpose you have for us. And Lord, we know that when we do that, we, we, we push away those carnal influences. We want to walk in the Spirit. And the why is, Lord, that we would put away those carnal impulses. Lord, help me to love my family because in, in, in a way that is obvious that I'm connected to the Spirit. Let's just, that we're going to sing this song. Let's just abide in him for a moment and let the Lord speak to you. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.